Curtis Blades can fucking wrestle. Dana White is still an asshole. With the fire selection. Stop, stop, stop. What, what's wrong? You already used that rhyme. It's hack. You can't do that. Don't you remember? Henry Cejudo can fucking wrestle. I guess now I have to eat my asshole. What? Okay, okay. I, I, I don't need reminding you of that. I don't need reminding you of that. Yeah, so fucking do another one. Well, that's all I could think of. <sighs> anyway, just fucking start the show. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I'm that man. My name is Juice, and if you think I'm not going to poke fun of myself, you ain't been listening. Well... We got some fights to talk about, but before that, there's something I need to get off my chest. And that is, if, you're, if you've been listening to me, really, since the beginning, uh, or, or just like at any point, I'm saying, you'll probably have figured out that I'm a big, or was, a big fan of Crystalia. And if you, unless you've been living under a rock... You know about the recent uh, allegations that have come out against him. Uh, I say allegations, but I don't like that word because it implies innocence until proven guilty. And I know that's how our justice system works. But a couple things on that. First of all, it's incredibly flawed. Not necessarily the concept of innocent until proven guilty, just our justice system in general. And... Secondly, I'm not talking about the court system. I'm talking about the court of public opinion. Uh, and, and I have always been on the train of believing women. I've heard too many women talk about how hard it is to come forward, you know, uh, when things happen. And I don't claim to know anything about it. Don't don't get me wrong, you know, from personal experience anyway. But uh, when, when when there's that much smoke, there's fire. And there was a lot of fucking smoke. There were so many women coming forward. And there are people that think there's, you know, they were altered in some way. And I know there's two sides of, of every story. But if you think that many women got together from different backgrounds and and they all decided to fucking make fake screenshots, like, like who the fuck are you if you think that? So... I know it doesn't really matter to probably most of you listening to this. And I had a whole rant about it on Twitter because there was there's there was a bunch of people out there coming out saying he's canceled. I'm like, really? Can you cancel someone you were never a fan of? Because there were a ton of motherfuckers going, I never thought he was funny or whatever. And that's, you know what? That's fine. But then shut the fuck up. Because if you didn't care, then you don't care. I did care. A lot. I... I, I looked into the timeline i've been a fan of it since 2009 which is 11 years and i'm not even 30 so that's over a third of my life so yeah i've been a fan for a long time and i canceled him that's it he's fucking canceled and i'm not saying i'm better than you as a matter of fact that makes me no better than anybody but what i'm saying is you can't cancel somebody that you were never a fan of. So I don't want to hear about it. And I can already hear. 
his fucking mannerisms in my speech. And that honestly makes me hate myself. And they're gonna they're gonna be there for a long time. I like don't even have the steam anymore because I like I'm numb to it. I, I shout out to um to Chica, Amanda Sanchez. She sent me the 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 first tweet when it first came out. Because uh, her and I are really big fans, and I was like, oh my god! And I I knew right away. I I I did not go through the full dabda. You know, I went right to step two. DABDA is the um, acronym for the five stages of grief, denial, acceptance, bargaining, depression, anger. S barely. I mean, if you want to say I went through it because you kind of technically always go through it. I was in denial for maybe a second. Because I started to read the tweet. I think it starts out saying, oh, uh, because he, he played a pedophile on season two of, of you, Netflix, you're complicit or whatever. And it sounds like a just your fucking average everyday outrage tweet that couldn't even have any like allegations. And then you go deeper in the thread and not even much deeper, like pretty much immediately after you're like, oh, no, she knew him. And this is and then she has proof. And then you, and you see the other ones and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And so I went right away to acceptance. Don't even know if I went through bargaining. Again, could have been one of those one-second things, but the depression kicked in right away, and now I'm fucking angry. I And I just realized I switched anger and acceptance, because acceptance is supposed to come last. But you know what? Sometimes it's a fucking circle, and I went through it a bunch of times. So there's that. And I just had to say that, and so we're going to leave it there, because there's nothing more to be said. Um, you know... It is what it is. Now, let's talk about these fights. Uh, this is another car where people were kind of shooting on a little bit. Uh, I personally enjoy these fights, and which is which is something because I enjoyed them sober. And I haven't uh, watched fights sober in a long time. Um, I just have to have something. And last night I was like, you know what, fuck it. Part of it was because I'm always a ball of nerves whenever Roxy fights. And I just was like, oh, whatever I take is going to amplify that. <laughs> it is, you know. It just it is what it is. Um, but the first fight of the night, I want to talk about Mike, and I'm not going to talk about every fight just for time's sake, just the ones that, uh, really, uh, interest me, but which I think I only left out two, funny enough, shows you how, what I thought about the card, right? Um, but the first fight, uh, Austin Hubbard versus Max Roshkoff. This is supposed to be, I believe, uh, Austin Hubbard versus, um, I was gonna say Matt Frivola, but no, Frivola was supposed to fight Frank Camacho. There was a couple late replacements. Um, I forget who Austin Hubbard was supposed to fight, but uh, something happened and, and uh, Roshkoff stepped in, got the got the late notice call up, uh, was not fighting in the UFC, so got a contract. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he probably won't be fighting in the UFC anymore, uh, which, I, which I don't agree with, by the way. But um, we saw it. He came out like a bat out of hell took Austin Hubbard down a bunch of times and I and I found out later that the, that all three judges gave him or sorry gave Hubbard the first round I don't necessarily agree with that I, I maybe need to go back and rewatch it but I I thought he landed a bunch of takedowns and was was doing work with them it wasn't like Lambre or or Hug and Hope like uh people said about the main event which was fucking ludicrous which we'll get to later but um Max was was taking him down a bunch of times 
and went for submissions and, and did and had some nice top control. Uh, Austin Hubbard uh, was able to, to get out of it and end the round in a, in a good place. Then the second round was fucking, to quote Rhino, even though he didn't make up this term, <laughs> one-way traffic. I mean, it was just like... I got a 10-8 on all three scorecards. And that's hard because 10-8s are so controversial. Judges withhold them like it's some fucking like trophy that they don't want to give. And no, that was those, those were 10-8s. And they, they all across the board, uh, all 10-8s. And the guy gassed. Uh, Roshkoff, that is. Or Roshkoff, or however the fuck. And then we go to the corner. And when I say we go to the corner, I just mean they go to their corners because ESPN doesn't fucking show the corners because they have to have so many ads, even though we pay for a streaming service. Like, what the fuck? But, we, but they come back, and the, and the ref waves out to fight. And we're like, what happened? Then they show us the corner uh, audio, the corner footage. And people, by the way, people in like Europe and Australia are watching this that watched the early prelims on five pass. And like, I don't know what you're talking about. We, we get the pre, we get the corner. Like it is what it is, but we didn't get that over here. And apparently what happened is max from the jump, as soon as he sat on the stool was like, I want out, call it that. That was the first word he said, call it. He didn't even say, and that's, this is the fucking, this is the controversy here. The problem is he didn't say coach. I don't know if I can do this man or coach. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not having any success. What can I do? Or uh, I'm I'm too tired. He said, call it. He said the words, call it. And he said it nine times. They played the audio back. He said it nine times. He said, call it. I can't do this anymore. And Drysdale, to his credit, and, and I know... Um, he means a lot to a lot of fighters, and he's really big in the BJJ scene. So I and and I and I don't want to be disrespectful at all, but he deserves a little bit of of heat here, because hey man, you were sending him out there to fucking get killed. He took the he took the fight on short notice. He was fatigued. He was getting beat the fuck up, and he was fatigued. And yes, he was, like I said, having a lot of early success with the grappling, which Austin Hubbard has always struggled with. But Austin Hubbard was getting up from every single one of those takedowns. And when you're fatigued, it's a lot harder to take someone down. So when he was saying, call it, Drysdale was like, no, you're a fucking champion. Go out there and do it. I know you can. Beat this kid. No, we're going to keep pushing. He basically was like, no, I'm not listening to you. You still have to go out there and fight. It was disgusting. It was so hard to watch. And I'm glad that we had to watch after the fact. Or at least, again, in America, on ESPN. Like, wow, dude. Thank God for that inspector, whoever that was, who came in and saw that. And um, at least we're told it was the inspector. Maybe it was the doctor. Someone involved in the commission, anyway, was like, yeah, no. They asked him, do you, do you want to continue? And he said, no. And they're like, that's all we need to hear. And that's how simple it should be. And come on. like, And I know... I got some flack for this when I talked about the Anthony Smith Glover to share a situation. And, and there was some people that brought up a good point, which is you don't know the conversations they've had between coach and fighter. You don't know what goes on in the gym. Maybe he's like this. Maybe uh, he needs that extra push. And, and, and the coach knows that that only gets you so far. That only gets you so far as to get maybe, maybe three or four of that. But when you're going the whole round and you don't, and here's the thing as well. This was brought up in the Raquel Pennington versus Amanda Nunes situation. 
she said it she said I, I she like turned away from the camera and and she said I don't I don't want to go back out there I can't do this and they're like no 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 you have to go back there if the coach had given some sort of technical advice then I would be a little bit more uh a little bit less outraged right now and th- th- this isn't really outrage I'm not saying like I'm just not fucking fake outrage or whatever but I'm just saying I wouldn't be so pissed and I wouldn't be having this conversation because look if the conversation went like this call it Coach, please, I can't do this. And he said, listen to me. This has happened before, and you've gotten through it. The takedown is there. He's 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 throwing the low kick too lazy. You can grab the single leg. Like, something like that. And I, I don't know shit about fuck, so that wasn't even, like, a real advice. But, like, dude, come on. That, to me, was just inexcusable. And, then, and the fact that, that Dana fucking White in the press conference... When they asked him about that, he was like, what do you think about... Look, look at the attitude. Curtis Blades looked like he was great. He was going out there to die in the third round, but he's still went out there. Like, are you kidding me? Wow, he's such a piece of shit. I just... I can't I can't even fathom. <laughs> like... And anyway, Austin Hubbard got the, got the win. What I wanted to talk about before this shit happened was what a terrible nickname Austin Hubbard had. I mean, are you kidding me? And was it Rochkoff who has the had the Guitar Hero nickname? Some people who love Guitar Hero were so hyped for that name. And other people that are sane were like, that's a terrible nickname. Um, but maybe that was Justin James. It was one of the... I'm pretty sure it was one of the new guys. Um, but but Rochkoff... Uh, Probably not going to be fighting in the UFC anymore. That makes you sad. Um, but what I was going to say, Austin Hubbard, his name is Thud. How did I not know that? Is that new? Like, I've seen Austin Hubbard fight. I remember the Sadiq Yusuf fight. I remember the Marco Matza fight. Like, the, I've seen this guy fight. But, like, Thud? And Buffer did not even make it sound that great. Like, Austin Thud Hubbard. That's also because he saves his voice, and the first, like, the prelim fights are, are less energy, kind of. Like, he tries to make it sound, but he, like, Someone who's studied voice, like you can tell he's holding back. I'm already kind of sounding like a fucking pretentious piece of shit. But uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, But moving on. And uh, this is what you came here for. Uh, You came to hear me lick my wounds and uh, eat eat crow about the Roxy fight. But I'm not going to do that. Because uh, what I saw was, um, was a great performance from Roxy. And uh, I know I'm going to catch some heat for that. Um, I already DM'd my good buddy um, about it, or I was DMing just in general, and he said, uh, you're certifiably insane. And I said, I know that. I watch um, human beings beat the shit out of each other for a living in, in a cage. I know that. I'm insane. But I honestly uh, did not think she, she looked bad, like everyone was saying. I, I was really upset by that, and I, 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 I know that I'm incapable of rational thought when it comes to my favorite fighters, her in particular, I think her and Izzy are like the ones that I'm like, like, no, fuck what you, fuck what you're saying. Like, I just, I can't. But I legitimately, trying to take bias out of it, scored the fight for her. And the fact that everyone is telling me that's wrong makes me think that it is. But honestly... With the way people talk about judging on Twitter, I fucking disagree with like ninety percent of it. So I'm not even I'm not even listening to that. I scored the first round for Roxy, obviously. Second round, 
obviously Lauren, and I, and I say that with all due respect, but it, the, it was pretty clear for Lauren in the in the second round. But I thought Roxy won the third, and it was by a hair. And a lot of people are like, this is what pisses me off is we'll never know. Like, I wish we could interview the judges. Like, we need to hear from them because if you get a takedown and you don't do anything with it, it's not supposed to count. And Lauren Murphy got a takedown with literally 13 seconds left. And and I and I was watching, and I was like, I know they're going to score that round for her. I just know that they're going to score that round for her. And, the, and then the fact that two of the judges had a 30-27 is, is really just upsetting to me. Uh, like, the one that scored a 29-28 probably had it like I had it until, like, in, in you know, even going into the third. But then was like, oh, got a takedown? I'm going to give her the run. Um, but I won't spend too much time on this because, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like too much of a stan, but, uh, you know, be, be kind to me on this because, um, and, and it's not as bad as, as it, as it was before. I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm getting, um, more used to, to, to her losing in a, in not in a good way. I'm just like, uh, the pain is, is a little bit more like manageable, I guess. Um, so moving on, Justin Jane's man. Wow, dude. After seeing Roshkoff uh, come up so short in his debut, and Austin Hubbard isn't someone I think is like capable of like really good things necessarily, uh, and not that Frank Wacho is, but he's been in some great fights. His fight, um, I can't remember what I think it might have been his last one. He looked so good. He was calm. He was patient. I think it was his first camp with uh, with Team Oyama. And he just looked so good. I was just like, man, Frank Camacho's going to dead this dude. And Justin James did not get the fucking memo. The the commentators were like, oh, he knows coming on short notice, he has to he has to knock him out. And so he did that. He just steamrolled the fuck out of him. I think Camacho was out on his feet, to be honest. Uh, that shit was great. And um, it was it was it was really it was beautiful. I wasn't, you know, it was it was kind of like a, a 155 version of like a heavyweight fight. Like it was a little sloppy, not gonna lie, but, but obviously way more high pace than a, than a heavyweight fight. It was like, this is a good example, it was almost like Travis Brown, Andre Arlovsky without the momentum shifts. Like a one-way version of that. That's kind of what it was. <laughs> but uh, not much to say about it other than looking forward to this kid. Uh, sadly... Things like this happen, and, you, and and sometimes like they never really live up to the potential. Like maybe he needed a scenario like this to perform that way, uh, and then maybe he goes into his next fight and gets found out. You know, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Jillian Robertson looked really good against Courtney Casey. She grappled the fuck out of her, and I and I say that as someone who picked uh, Courtney Casey. Uh, for anyone keeping score who cares about this kind of thing, I went seven and five overall. Um, you know, which is still like, if ever it's like more, I, I get more fights right than I get them wrong. I, I'm at least like, I, I take solace on that. But that's one fight away from an even split, which is like, eh, not that great. But uh, Jillian Robertson, I, I honestly like, Courtney Casey is a decent grappler. Uh, I think she almost submitted Michelle Watterson at one point. Like she had her in a really tight arm bar. And she's big, and she's like finally up a weight class. She looked really good in her last fight as well. And I was just like, you know what? Courtney Casey's going to do work here. And Jillian Robertson was just like, no, I'm a grappler, and you're not. And that's it. And Courtney Casey isn't even like, I wouldn't necessarily call her like a striker necessarily, but she's athletic. She uh, had a, a soccer scholarship at one point. And 
Jillian Robertson didn't give a fuck about that. She's like, oh, you athletic? I'm going to take you down. There goes the mannerisms again. But uh, I was really impressed with Jillian Robertson. This was an exciting fight. And she finished her... I like when, when fighters get a late finish because it shows you that they're always trying. Like a situation like that, she didn't need to get that finish. Like her pay is the same. You know, fucking... She would have won the fight handily on the scorecards. There was no question that it could have been a split decision or anything like that. She was going to win that fight probably 30-27, maybe even 30-26. And uh, she was like, nope, I'm going to find this rear naked choke. And she found it. Beautiful. It was beautiful work. And then someone else, I, I, I was happy to be wrong on this one. I, I, I sad to say I doubted Tisha Torres. But she looked really good against Brianna Van Buren. And I know, like, anyone listening that was not on the Brianna Van Buren hype train might might be like, oh, well, yeah, of course, she only had one UFC fight and, and Tisha Torres has a bunch of them. But, dude, like, Brianna Van Buren was a beast in that fight she had and in that Invicta tournament. Like, she was a fucking killer. So I was taking all that into account. But um, T- Tisha Torres... Uh, or, or the the broadcast made a good point. This is the only fight that Tisha Torres was not the shorter fighter in. That's <laughs> just the only fight in her career where she had a height advantage, and damn, it kind of showed. Um, not that that was necessarily a factor in her success, but just just the fact that I think that maybe gave her some confidence. She was ripping those body kicks. I mean, right away they 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 made mention of it in the broadcast. She landed three right kicks to the body in a row, like just boom, boom, boom. And eventually, like, Brianna Van Buren was able to get some success in the clinch and sort of bully her against the cage. But Tisha Torres is strong as hell, and she was able to reverse that. It was really nice. Like, I gotta say, uh, I think I tweeted this out. I mean, I definitely did. Uh, but I said I forgot I forgot what it feels like to see Tisha Torres win, because, man, uh, I like I like Tisha. I like her uh, relationship with Raquel. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> you know, it's cute. They're cute. And so... Um, I was just happy for her. And on that note, actually, uh, someone pointed this out. Um, and when I say someone, that was my my best friend, Leo. Shout out to Leo. Uh, I think it was during the... Was it the first fight? Or was it in the Justin James fight? Um, he pointed out that... No, no, I'm pretty sure it was the first fight. I think it was Roshkoff. He pointed out the uh, pride lettering, the rainbow lettering. And he was like... Is Bryce Mitchell gonna fight? Because if they can do that, they can certainly do the camo, and he gotta do they gotta do that shit. And I was like, hell yeah! And um, they they it, it came out that Tisha Torres kind of requested it. She she told uh, Raquel that she wanted to do it, uh, and Raquel called Dana White and made it happen. And then a bunch of the fighters did it, and even uh, even Bilal Muhammad did it, who is uh, uh, practicing Muslim, and that is not exactly part of their whole thing. And I only say that because I, I had a conversation with uh, someone I don't know who they listen to the podcast or not, uh, Rob the Gamer. Shout out to Rob, if he listens. And uh, he thought it was an interesting talking point. I don't know that it is. Like, for me, like, it's 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 2020. It's, it's like, shit like that, it shouldn't even be a statement. It shouldn't even be an issue. Like, it's, it's, it's not politics. It's not going against your culture. It's fucking human rights. So uh, if it's something that he gets flagged for and he still doubles down, like I give him so much props. I'm already a big Bilal fan. I mean, follows me, you know, got to represent. But um, shouts to Tisha Torres for getting that done. And shouts to Bobby Green. I got to say, I, I say, I say this all the time, 
if you were on Bully Beatdown, I stand. And that's it. Doesn't take much. I stand. Now, you can uh, go against that. Like, you can wear out that welcome. But uh, Bobby Green certainly has not. I mean, sometimes he gets really salty about decisions and doesn't like to be wrestled, which is like, come on, man. It's mixed martial arts. It's part of it. But uh, he was really, he looked really good in this fight. He was talking to him. I, I knew this was going to happen, dude. He always does that. And I was just like, man, with the no crowd, this is going to be great. And he was like, that didn't hurt, or whatever he said to Clay Guida. Great fight. Great fight. I loved it. And y'all must have forgot about Jim Miller, dude. Yeah, I know Roosevelt Roberts beat up on Brock Weaver, but did you think he was going to get past Jim Miller? A fucking nasty black belt who's been around for years and years and years and just got over Lyme disease? Come on. Shout out to Jim Miller. Shout out to Sparta, New Jersey. Shout out to that camp. Shout out to that one time Jim Miller made an Instagram post that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it was when they had that fighter summit and they had a, a model of the PI before it was built. And he, he and he had a video of it with it in the background. He was like, what is this? A center for ants? It's obviously a Zoolander reference. But man, that made me really happy, that armbar. And, and, and it was weird at first. Like you almost didn't hear the verbal tap. Uh, from from Roosevelt Roberts, I thought that might have been Herb Dean, and I thought it might have been him sort of interfering from like a possibly an illegal spike that was about to happen. But uh, Jim Miller cranked on that armbar. Roosevelt Roberts thought he could lift out of it and slam him, and then as soon as he lifted, he was like, "Oh no no no!" Tap, 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 tap. Great to see. And I love Frankie showing love on Twitter, and then Jim Miller was uh, uh, they they uh, John Anik talked about it on the broadcast, and Jim Miller was like, "Yeah, what's up, Frankie?" Love to see that. It's New Jersey, baby. We out here. And uh, I'm from California. <laughs> but I live in New Jersey and I got to rep where I'm from. Anyway, Bilal, man. Dude, I got to say, I pick Bilal like almost like without even thinking because I just fucking love watching him fight. And again, follows me. I stand. I got to stand. He's funny. Um, and, uh, and, and I was texting somebody that was like, you know, old Lyman Good is a beast. And then I was like, well, shit. And then the, fir the first round was like a little bit dicey. I mean, the whole fight was like back and forth. Um, fights like that, I, I tend to not score. So I'm not, I'm not even going to say like I was sure Bilal won. But I also am not going to say I was really worried. I was just like, man, I don't know who won. This is awesome. Uh, but I uh, was happy that Bilal got the nod. And uh, once, once he was like... I did think I, I was pretty sure Bilal won. Like the the way he was slipping and, and evading a lot of the big shots from from Lyman and then countering really nicely. I thought he got some uh, got some nice work in. But there was a moment I was worried. Like he, got, I feel like he got rocked, and Lyman rushed him, but he was able to Bilal was able to kind of recover and and put him up against the fence and get a, a double leg. I don't know if he finished it, but he he grabbed for double leg and kind of engaged in the clinch. It was so nice from Bilal. And uh, I loved it. So that's all I got to say. Shout out to Bilal. Remember the name. I mean, get a better nickname, but remember the name uh, anyway, because Bilal is awesome. And Josh Emmett beat the fuck out of Shane Burgos, man. There were some people that were saying this a robbery, and I got to say, uh, if you think that that was a robbery, I'm going to send you my address so you can mail me whatever drugs you're on, because I need them. 
Josh Emmett beat the fuck out of Shane Burgos. And don't get me wrong, Shane was landing his own shots as well, and it was pretty, you know, competitive. But in my mind, that was a clear dominant victory for, for Josh Emmett. And it was the war we, we thought it would be, man. Someone said, and I'm pretty sure this was Kaposa, and I gotta say, unfollowed, no disrespect, but uh, he, he said last week that Shane Burgos versus Josh Emmett could have been the main event over like Calvio and I. And yeah, maybe, but after seeing what they went through, Dude, that would have been brutal if it was five rounds. Like, I think fans get selfish when they when they think of shit like that, and they think like, "Oh, this is for the violent toy title," and this is like, "Oh, we need more, we need more rounds." Man, those guys are gonna give it their all, no matter fucking what. They need to be fighting for two rounds. You know what I mean? Like, obviously that doesn't exist in MMA, at least not in the UFC. But man, that fucking that was brutal. And this is why I'm an advocate for fighter pay. Like, you think they got paid enough for that? Hell no. Hell no. And now we move on to the main event. And there were people who were shocked and outraged that Curtis Blades, who has done nothing but wrestle in all of his UFC fights, including and especially the Ngannou fights that he got knocked out in. And you thought when he faced a pure striker in Alexander Volkov that somehow that wasn't going to happen. And to those people, again, DM me so I can give you my address P.O. Box, it's made up at Made Up New Jersey 07712 Made Up Zip Code. Send me your fucking drugs. Curtis Blades is a wrestler. He is the heavyweight Ben Askren. He's going to wrestle until they pull him off. That's what he does. And I respect it. And he obviously uh, is working on his boxing. But that happens with wrestlers. And it happens when when they take their opponent down for, for two rounds. And their opponent gets so fucking gun shy and start worrying about the takedown. That defense just goes out the window and opens those, those shots up. Um, I didn't think Curtis was going to knock him out. I thought maybe TKO from the ground and pound later on. That's that was my prediction going in, but um, but he still did some nice work on the feet. It wasn't just wrestling, and I made a tweet about this, and, and it fucking got, like everyone was big mad in the comments. I was I was saying if you don't like wrestling, you have no fucking business watching MMA. Go watch kickboxing. They need some fans. Someone said Lethway, and if anyone that listens to this podcast is a bigger fan of Lethway than they are of MMA, God bless you. But um, there's probably people watching that don't know what the fuck Leftway is, to be honest. Did I say watching? You're not watching. You're listening. Um, but yeah. No, Curtis Blades did Curtis Blade things. And I was here for it. I was here for it. There was people that were like, oh, if, if, you, if you like that, then uh, go watch Paint Dry. Motherfucker. That's not even an apt comparison. 
You're just spouting cliches, you fucking sheep. But hey, man. Much love. Nah, Angry Juice is, is the GOAT, so. That's it for me in terms of this segment. Um, not much else to say about these fights. Again, I enjoyed them. I was sober during them. I'm probably going to be sober for the next few months, unfortunately. Um, which is a which is a terrible shame, but it has nothing to do with uh, anything else other than you boys got uh, uh, some stuff to worry about. But I'll, I'll put a bookmark in that. We won't talk about it. Right now, we're going to take a break. You're going to hear my white-ass rap about this podcast and the platform that it's on. And then we're going to talk about some news. And we're back. Let's talk about some matchups. In case you haven't heard, Muslim King of Kung Fu Salikov versus... Eliseu Zaleski Dos Santos are going to try and kill each other July 11th. Fight Island, baby. So excited. In case you've been living under a rock, and by that I mean in case you haven't been listening to any of my other stuff before this, I am a big fucking fan of Muslim Zalikov, man. I am a big fan. It's basically me and Smart Dan 51 Shouts to you wherever you are. I mean, I know where you're at, but shouts to you whether or not you're listening. Man, I am so fucking excited for this fight. I told you Muslim Salkov called out uh, Li Jingliang in his last fight, and I wanted to see that. Well, Li Jingliang's fight before that, I think two fights ago, because I think he just fought New Magni. fight before that, he threw hands with Eliseu, and it was a fucking war. So I know Muslim can give him that same fight. Someone's going to sleep in that fight. No cap. Someone's going to sleep. And I, I, I think it's just so weird like how much of a fan I am of this guy because it, like my whole thing is, is fighter individuality and personality and what you do outside the cage. I don't know. Fuck all about this guy outside the cage. And when he goes on the mic, he's pretty vanilla. But when he's throwing hands... That shit is electric. I mean, wow, dude. I mean, he kind of like he kind of sounds like a killer as well. He's like, yeah, it was a good fight. So that always like sends chills up my spine or whatever. But for the most part, it's just like, eh, you know, this is a normal post fight interview, uh, dude. I'm so here for this fight. Uh, I'm pretty much here for Muslim Salkov versus a warm body. It doesn't matter. But I'm also a fan of Eliseu. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not a stan like I am for, for Muslim Salkov, but dude. In terms of like welterweights uh, I'm a fan of, it's Muslim Salkov, James Krause, maybe Eliseu, and then everyone else. And that's not to tell you, I mean, there's something that are on my shit list, you know what I mean? But you get the idea. Bro, I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be amazing. And I applied for credentials for this fight. I know you guys are thinking, it's in Abu Dhabi. Why would you do that? You don't have the money for an uh, airplane ticket. I know that. 
But if I fucking got approved, I was going to figure it out. Probably sell my kidney or something. I've got two. You only need one. But apparently I get to go, or I get to attend uh, Virtual Media Day, which is something I am very excited about if uh, it lines up with my schedule. But moving on, uh, let's take that again. Moving on, Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige, July 15th. And if you guys forgot, my birthday is two days after this. And the UFC is blessing us. They're blessing me. It's it's because it's my birthday, so you guys are welcome for this. Um, Dana White told me personally. No, just kidding. But July 11th, 15th, and 18th, they're doing one of those like three fight card weeks like they did when they first came back. And I can't wait. It's going to be fire. Calvin Kidder versus Dan Ige. That alone is like, I don't even know anything else that's on the card. Like off the top of my head, I'm sure things have been announced that I heard about. As a matter of fact, I'm 99% sure Molly McCann versus uh, anybody is on July 15th. Uh, bro, I can't wait for this fight. I definitely said that about the last fight. But I can't wait for this one either. Another one that's going to be awesome is Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. This is a great day for me. Derek Lewis versus Alexia Olenek. If you didn't see the video of Alexia Olenek accepting this fight, like signing the battle agreement, as if it came from a message in a bottle, go look it up. Aaron Hawani posted it. I'm sure Alexia posted it as well. Might even be on ESPN MMA YouTube at this point because all I do is just take videos from Fire Social Media and put it on there. ESPN MMA hack. Um, coming from another hack. From one hack to another. Uh, but i got to say, I'm very excited. I love Alexia Olenek, and you guys know that. But I also really love Derek Lewis. And there's a ton of Derek Lewis hit on the timeline for no reason because uh, there's some people that think it's like highbrow to diss on heavyweight MMA and they think that Derek Lewis is just a knockout artist uh, with no ground game. And uh, that's not entirely true. Uh, he's also funny as fuck. And you're missing out on that. If you're saying, oh, Derek Lewis uh, can't fucking fight. He only has a big right hand. Uh, you're missing out on that video he did giving a house tour. Uh, and then you're missing out on that post-fight interview where he said where Ronda Rousey finesse sat. And then he was holding his ribs. And Brian Stan said, what happened? Did you break your ribs? And he said, no, I'm just trying not to shit on myself. You're missing out on that. I love Derek Lewis. I don't give a fuck what y'all think. Derek Lewis is goat. He already he already beat Ngannou. Everyone is so hyped on Ngannou. <laughs> I better stop right now because <laughs> we all know that was the worst fight in UFC history. But uh, I for sure will not go the same way. Can you imagine? Can you let me paint a picture? Francis Ngannou goes on Ariel's show the Monday after DC versus Stipe. Three, DC is victorious. He puts the belt in the octagon. He says, I'm done. I'm the greatest heavyweight of all time. I beat Stipe twice. We settled the score. I'm the greatest. Let me put it down. And he walks away. Monday morning, Ariel Hawani show, which is actually now DC and Hawani. Francis Ngannou comes on and he's like, I want the belt. I want it now. 
Derek Lewis beats Alexia Linick the week before. They bring him on the show. He says, I already beat you, you dumb fuck. Let's fight for the vacant title. And then Derek Lewis knocks him out. Can you imagine? Are we live? Can you imagine? Again, I promise I'm 100% sober. <laughs> Last fight I'm interested in, also on that August 8th card. By the way, um, Derek Lewis and Alexi are uh, allegedly, or reportedly, whatever the proper term is here, they're headlining that card on August 8th. So that's going to be awesome that maybe we get five rounds. Um, so either Derek Lewis is going to knock Alexi out or Alexi's going to submit him. One of those things is going to happen. And honestly, I'm worried for Derek. Now that I say this because, uh, I don't know, Alexi's got a decent chin. So, I don't know. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, on that same card on August 8th, we got New Bay, Julia Avila versus Nico Montano. Yes, I'm one of those people that uh, still hasn't forgiven Nico for uh, what happened after she won the belt and the whole saga with Valentina. Yes, I know it's petty. Yes, I know it's dumb. Yes, I know there are some white knights on Twitter that think it's dumb to, to still hang on to that. I don't care. I'm petty. I'm real petty. So, yeah, it's team it's team Avila all the way. And that goes for just about anyone. She's finding it's not just because of Nico. I'm not like, well, guess I got to support Julia Avila now. No, it is Julia Avila versus the world. Come on. We've been knew that. And just like that, we're finished with this segment. I said it was news. Technically, these are headlines. But really, these are just matchups. This segment changes every week. It might as well be the fucking soapbox segment. Like it was one time. You know what? That's what it's going to be. Because, yeah, I'm still going to be on my bullshit. Anyone that listened to that episode where I got political and I said you could skip and you skipped. Guess what? This fight's not over, baby. This fight's not over. I guess I don't have any much, anything more to say at the moment. But that's just a warning. If you think my SJW ass is going to stay silent, I'm not. Because silence is complicity. And I will leave you with that before we transition into the forum. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's start the forum. If this is your first time listening, this is where you get to hear from other people. Where, as a reminder to myself, that my voice isn't always the most important. There are people with good ideas and questions that need answers. And I don't have all of them, but I do have an opinion that I'm going to make you listen to. Thank you for listening. First one is from our boy Ricky. Let's go. Hey, yo, Juicy Baby. It's Tricky Rickster here. All the way from lovely Auckland, New Zealand. Um, question for you is, what do you think about the UFC's bonus system? Do you think they need more bonuses? Um, or is there a better way to re reward the fighters? I was thinking it'd be cool if they did have a fan vote each card to reward one of the fighters or two of the fighters. 
What are your thoughts, man? Keep it real, boy. Catch up. Love this guy. Go give Tricky Rickstar a follow. And I gotta say, I love anyone called that, that's been calling me Juicy Baby lately. Genghis started it, and uh, you guys have kept it going. It's fucking legendary. And you bring up a good question. So, as I mentioned at the top, I'm gonna I I like to think I'm an advocate for fighter pay. I say that all the time. You know, I mean, advocacy goes beyond just tweeting about it. Like there's like I remember I unfollowed somebody uh, like long time ago for having in their bio like advocate for mental health, but then saying a bunch of dumb shit all the time. Like you're not advocating for shit, bro. You're just looking for follows. You fucking sheep. Uh, but yeah, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, actions speak louder than words. Advocacy goes beyond just tweeting things. However, bonuses, we need more. And it's not like, so they've been doing the, their performance bonuses for a long time, a long time. And some of it has been behind the scenes. Like they've been doing it longer than it's been public. I'm saying, you know? But they, it's still been going on for a long time. And it's still been public for a long time. It just was, you know, going on for even longer than that. And the amount has stayed the same. Like Dana White, to his uh, credit or whatever, I'm not that I generally like to give him credit, but he said one thing that has so, it's sort of been true. And that is he has not ha- asked anyone to go backwards. You know, no one has ever gotten a reduction in pay. They've always either stayed the same or got more. And I think he wanted people to focus on the more part while not realizing that a lot of people had stayed the same. Like Jim Miller's been on the UFC for a long fucking time. I don't think he's making six figures yet. So that just gives you, uh, that just tells you all you need to know. But secondly, the bonuses have stayed the same. So if fighter pay goes up, but your publicized bonuses stay the same and your revenue is going up, you piece of shit. And I like what you said about the fan bonuses, like fans voting on them, and that's nice, but that could easily go awry. I mean, there was a there was a, a fight card a while ago for, that was called Cam Soda Legends. Uh, your boy Felony Charles Bennett fought on it, and uh, if you guys don't know, Cam Soda is like a, I don't know, it's like an adult campsite. It's a little you know, risque, if you will. But uh, they decided to, get, to have a mixed martial arts promotion for like one thing. And part of their thing was that something something they do on their camp shows or whatever is that you can tip the the performers, you know. So they did that for the fighters as well. That people people literally could tip the fighters for performances. And good for them. That was awesome. Like anyone can do that. They should be doing that. Uh, but that's like. The UFC should also be doing it as well. Like the 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 idea of fans voting on it, I I sort of don't like because, you know, I see on the polls on Twitter, like first of all, like I ran a poll the other day. This is like a an experiment, like a social experiment. I said, "What are your thoughts on polls?" It was a poll about polls, and there was just two options: good and bad. Twenty seven percent voted bad. So if you don't like polls. Why'd you vote? And I get it. I tricked you a little bit. It was bait. I know that. But you still fall for it. You still fell for it. But my other point about those polls 
it got like 380 votes, something like that. Let's say 400 to make it easy. The tweet, the tweet that had the poll got like 16 likes. That's fucking pitiful. And so there were people that were just scrolling and clicking. And I've made, I've made polls which I thought were like a good way of deciding like the pulse of whatever. And I think it was, uh, I want to say it was KGB that was like, I voted in every poll I've seen and I've not, I've not read one of them. And I was like, I slapped my forehead. I was like, other people are doing that too. Those polls don't mean shit. Plus. Too many trolls exist for for the for fan bonuses to be like legitimate. Like too many trolls exist. Um, but but it's it's very good in theory. Uh, but but you'd also have like I don't know, I, I don't want to get into like why they would be about it. Like okay, I'll give you a different example. I'm a big Izzy fan, the biggest. Maybe not the biggest. Like Kevin and I are pretty much like right fucking there. But like I'm such a big fan of his. If they had fan bonuses for UFC 248, was it? When he fought Romero? I would have absolutely given him a bonus. Are you kidding me? And I know there were much better fights on that card. Wasn't that the same card as Young Willie JJ? I'm so biased. Uh, but l- listen, that's how things are. Uh, that's how I am. And that's how tons of people are. And I'm a, I think I'm a good person. So if I'm doing that, I'm a good person. Think of all the shitbirds out there. That would just be like clicking fucking Mike Perry, thinking he needs a bonus for being a fucking lunatic. But uh, love the question. So, so I guess to answer because it did bring up a, a, a larger point about fighter pay. Yeah, if if you're hanging your hat on the fact that you're giving them bonuses and things like that, don't make them discretionary. Don't make them under the table. Reward fucking good performances. Don't don't make people compete. For $50,000. Like. You kidding me? Sometimes the fight of the night. Like. Bilal Muhammad. Lyman Good. As soon as that fight happened. I was like. Wow. That was fight of the night. Forgetting obviously that. Burgos and Emmett. Had been coming up. But. A lot of people were like. Oh. Well that can't happen. Because. The, uh, Burgos and Emmett. Haven't even stepped in the octagon. I get that dude. But my point is that. There should be more than one fight of the night. And if you're going to reward bonuses. For finishes as well. Award bonuses for for finishes. Don't make it the same amount as the fight of the night. And no, I don't mean dollar amount. I mean like total. Like they they allocate two hundred thousand dollars for that bonus. And so if there's like a bunch of finishes and they don't want to give a fight of the night, they'll just give four performance bonuses, or they may give two fight of the nights. Give more. Like you can do more. I don't know. I just I would like to see pay go up. Like fighters are out there fighting for their whole paycheck. The show and win pay structure is is fucking evil, is what it is. And so and so fighters say, "Oh, I was robbed of my win bonus." They shouldn't be saying that. What they should be saying, and a lot of them do say this as well. They say, "I was robbed of half my paycheck. I didn't get the other half of my paycheck." And there's fucking idiots. That are like, oh, no, that's just a win bonus. You got your full pay when you stepped on the scale. No, you fucking troll. You piece of shit. If a fighter is contracted for 20K and 20K, they should be getting the whole 40 no matter what. That's how it is. 
I kind of ranted too much to, to actually make a point. This is why uh, shit's not going to get done. But, you know, sign your Project Spearhead cards, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, my man? I could ask you all about Shane Burgos versus Josh but I got a feeling everybody and their mom is about to ask you about that, so that's perfectly fine. Here's my question. Aspel and I just pulled out of our fight against Sarah McMahon due to injury. Who do you think in the women's bantamweight division could step in and fight her? A lot of the ranked fighters are occupied right now, and I don't think they're going to really throw Aspel up against an unranked fighter. In your opinion, who do you think is up to take that spot, if anybody? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Much love to you, Kairos. Uh, guys, go follow Kairos MMA. He's the shit. And uh, check out his YouTube channel. Man. I think he means Sarah McMahon, by the way. Because Espinlade is fighting Sarah McMahon. Espinlade pulled out. Uh, again, like he said, due to injury. It's not like she was, you know, not wanting to fight, you know. Uh, man, I'm really uh, sad about that. Because I, re I really want to see that fight. Especially because Sarah McMahon's like a... I think she's a silver medalist in wrestling. Or she's a highly credentialed Olympic wrestler anyway. And Aspen Ladd's best attribute is her wrestling, in my opinion. And uh, she's really strong. Sarah McMahon's also really strong. It would have been a great fight. And honestly, I'm worried because it, it feels like I don't have stats on this or history. It feels like whenever it's a, a female fight, it's harder to find a like short-notice replacement. Um, I don't know why that is or if it's even accurate if I'm just talking to my ass here. Uh, it just feels like when, when, like week of fight week, it's just a lot harder. And, and, and especially now during the pandemic, like gyms haven't been open all the way. And if they have, people have been training in secret and they shouldn't, shouldn't have been training, you know, in certain, certain regards, you know, as far as like the rules are concerned, I'm not saying you shouldn't have been training. I'm just saying in terms of the way those facilities, but, um, a lot of what they would do in like you know, pre-COVID in a normal world, they would take someone off a local card and just say, hey, kid, you're going to call up, you know, throw them a big contract. Someone that's already prepared, someone who's already in camp, already made weight or on their way to making weight. Like, I think Joe Soto got the call up when Hen Burrell, uh had some sort of issue with his weight cut um, when he was fighting TJ Dillashaw the second time. And TJ Dillashaw had to fight, fight Joe Soto on, like, 24 hours notice. Like, shit like that happens. So... I don't know. I don't honestly don't know what they'll do. I mean, maybe Marion Renault isn't too injured from her fight with Raquel Pennington, which I didn't talk about because I was sad. I really wanted Marion to win. Um, maybe Marion Renault is like, put me back in there. And Mary, uh, Marion Renault, I think she fought Sarah McMahon already. Um, so they probably won't do that. Maybe Raquel. Maybe Raquel says, I, I want to get back in there, you know? Uh, personally, I would like to see someone like, uh, it's hard. Uh, maybe Yana Kunitskaya, Kunitskaya. That would be fun. But it might be, it might be like a, like a flyweight that would get the, you know, cause a lot of times when I short notice, they'll go from the weight class below. See, you know, someone wants to move up easier to make the weight. Maybe they'll pull someone like Viviani Arujo. I think she fought at at, at bantamweight on her in her debut, uh, even though she was like a, a career straw weight, <laughs> and then she ended up being like a flyweight, you know, further on. Uh, that would be fun. Viviani Araujo versus Sarah McMahon would be really fun. Um, yeah, that's all I got, Kairos. <laughs> that that's a great question, but it's it's hard to answer on such a short notice. 
like this because literally anything could happen. Like it could be like certain situation like with uh, you know uh, Max Rushkoff and Justin James. Like they could pull someone not in the UFC at the moment. That would be awesome. You know, it would be fucking incredible, honestly, if uh, Serena Southpaw stepped up. You know, the homie Serena De Jesus from from Twitter, who's uh, you know Roxy's bestie and uh, really cool in general. Anyway, it would be cool if she stepped up. It'd be cool if she was like. Hey, UFC, I'll fucking take it. Give me Sarah McMahon. I'll eat that shit for breakfast. And then she knocks Sarah McMahon out. How about that? That shit just got me really happy. would love that. Watch it be Betch Cohea. Just throw out a bunch of names. There we go. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. Uh, something different this week, man. I've got fucking three bongs packed up in front of me. Francis the King bong and two other ones. So I'm going to try and rip those motherfuckers down without fucking coughing my balls off and then try and get my question out to you. Here goes nothing. Would you like to see on the cover of UFC 4 when it comes out? That's all. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yes! My man's had three bong rips in under a minute and still had time to get out of his question. What a fucking legend Smokey J is. Missed those uh, bong Olympics we, we did back in the day on the podcast. Ali Ra, where you at? Man. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, I like to consider myself a gamer in some aspect. I certainly was when I was younger, and, uh, I, I just got a Switch, uh, for Christmas. I've been playing it, I've been playing Zelda, I've been playing Mario, big into those. Have never played UFC 3, or 2, and I played UFC 1 a little bit. So... I'm like, I always feel like when, when people are talking about it on Twitter, like, I'm not part of your club, and I'm like... I want to be so badly, but people are arguing about which is better between Xbox and PS4, and I and I honestly don't know who to trust. <sighs> because everyone is so, and I, I hate this, uh, it's like the whole Apple versus Samsung wars. It's like, if you, whatever one you got, you're wrong. Or the other one's wrong. Like, those assholes that make jokes about Android being like for pores. I'm like, you fucking sheep getting those Apple iPhones, you fucking sheep. So I got to figure out which is the one. Whichever is the Samsung of the two, that's the one I'm going to go for. Although I can't afford it anyway, so what the fuck am I talking about? Uh, Honestly, it sucks because, you know, they could do something awesome, like put Amanda Nunes on there. But then there would be uh, Khabib fans that would be like, oh, you didn't put Khabib on, but you put Connor on. I think they put him on twice in a row. Uh, there would be like, there would be fucking outrage. You could put Israel Adesanya, but then they'd be like, oh, well, actually, Jorge Masvidal was the fighter of the year last year when Izzy was also up for it. So why are you giving it to Izzy? Like, you'll never, they'll never satisfy anybody. 
and actually i saw smoky when we so whenever people send these in if you didn't know you can title them and Smokey's one of the ones who always titles it, and I love that. And he titled a UFC 4 cover. And I thought this was going to be similar to one of his tweets with his new voice feature. By the way, dude, if you were on Twitter and you just saw that they had a, a feature added for iOS, which I don't even have, that you can do a voice option where you can record your voice and put it out there as a tweet, that has existed in the form of a video. You had the option the whole time. You're just scared to show your face. What the fuck? You know, and you don't even have to. You could record the fucking. You could black out the camera like I did a couple times. It fucking exists already. Anyway, that's my little rant about that. But um, Smokey J had one where he was saying that they're like not, not going to release a game with a fighter that has a Reebok kit when the Reebok deal is about to expire. Uh, it's not going to be like I was like that's some Tim Foy hat shit, but he's could be fucking right. So I I honestly hope. They wait until the new apparel deal is signed, and then they put the 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 fighter in with that whatever thing, and they'll probably launch it at the same time. At least that's what I hope. Because otherwise, it would be real awkward playing with fucking Reebok fight kits when the deal's over. Like, so weird. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, the homie uh, Tom Zakajewski wrote an article about Jeff Nowitzki was going to be on the cover. Um, love that. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, I would love to, for like DC to be on the cover. How about that? Whoever wins the between DC and Stipe, uh, put them on the cutter on the on the cover. This has been like the episode of me fumbling my words. What's going on, you bunch of fucking juice heads? Alright there, juice. My question for you this week is, uh, that Roshkov kid. I've seen everybody fucking bashing this poor fucker, and Dana White pretty much run him out of the bus. That fucking poor kid came to save your fucking ass, Dana White. Made you fucking money, you piece of fucking shit. But anyways, that's my question for you. What do you think of that poor kid quitting? Well, his corner forcing him to quit himself. Because they abandoned that poor kid. Let's be honest. They abandoned him. But, again. I can see it when it's a season fighter. Like Pennington and something like that. But, a brand new kid? Come on. Anyways, it's always 420. Peace. Great question, Jim. So glad you sent this in. I hope your time away from social media has been great. It's been you know, you've been absent from the timeline, and I get it. You know we all miss you. Uh, whatever you know you need to do, do because uh, you you're the man, Jim. Go follow Jim as soon, you guys, bro. I and I and I have to be honest. I actually did not see this. Made me happy. I did not see a lot of people bashing Roshkov. Uh, I mean, there were some fire, uh, some accounts with like twelve followers being like, he knew what he was getting into. This pussy's not ready. I mean, whatever bullshit. But for the most part, I just saw tweets a making fun of those people, like do like tweeting it out like ironically or whatever, or the opposite, saying like, what the fuck, uh, like just burying Drysdale, which is warranted. So, yeah, honestly, uh, I th I thought he was he was great. 
And um, I, I, I'm with you, Jim. Like, Dana White, you fucking made a ton from this kid. Uh, not made a ton, but, you know, you, he saved the show. He saved that fight. And to throw him under the bus like that was, I mean, classic Dana White, but so shitty. I mean, just absolutely the worst. What's going on, Juice? This is uh, Gator from Florida. And I guess my question for this week, given that I just watched that barn burner from Burgos and Emmett, is uh, where do you, where do either of them go? I mean, it's not like a lot of them lost a lot within that fight. If anything, it seemed like they both gained. So uh, with the 145 division being so deep, what uh, what 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 are your, and your matchmaking skills? What uh, what are your thoughts on who should fight who next? Yes, Gator. Shout out to the Turbo team, first of all. Second of all, I love this question. I would love to see Shane. Sorry, I don't have any different Shane yet. I would love to see Josh. I would love to see Josh Emmett fight Yair Rodriguez. Uh, because I would love to see Yair Rodriguez get knocked the fuck out, dude. Um, and then I would love to see Shane Burgos versus like, uh, like a Jeremy Stevens. Someone that's, you know, been around. You know, is a name. Uh, that's a winnable fight for Shane. Could get him back on track, and um, that's quintessential UFC matchmaking. To uh, you know, do the, the new fighter versus the old fighter kind of thing. And by the way, I, I know I was like really uh, pumping up Josh Emmett before and on, on on Twitter as well. I've been a fan of Shane since the God Alfredo Pepe fight. Um, I think that's how you fucking say his name. That weird. That weird guy he fought with the blonde hair. Um, I've been a fan of Shane since then. Uh, I love Shane Burgos, but uh, but Josh Emmett, I I, I just knew uh, would get it done here. So, to shout shouts to uh, to Josh and his team. But yeah, I guess you, I guess you could do a lot of things with with either of them. I mean, uh, you could potentially do the loser of Ortega versus Zombie if that even ever happens. You know. Just a thought. Hey, Juice. It is MMA Catfish. How come in MMA it's one extreme or the other? Because I can tell you that I am a bigger fan of Max Roshkoff after he decided that he wasn't going to be able to continue and that the fight needed to stop. Then had he just gone out there for the third round to go out on his shield and get his brain concussed for absolutely no reason in a fight that everyone admitted he wasn't winning and wasn't going to win and was getting beat up. But somehow, even though they knew all that and they all said he was going to continue to lose, he just wasn't getting beat up enough. They, It's absolutely ridiculous that one moment we're calling for fighters who are actually trying and defending themselves for the fight to be stopped. And in another moment, a guy says, I need to stop this fight myself. And yet they're negative about it towards him. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's a bit ridiculous. And uh, thank you for sending this in. Uh, It sounded like it cut off abruptly. That's all I got. Uh, so if you sent more, I uh, don't think that I didn't play it. Um, it just, I didn't get it. But uh, yeah, you bring up a great point. And that's honestly, 
the basis of my show. Fighting with myself. Because things are not black and white. I live in that gray area. I live in, well, there's this, but there's also this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always conflicted about things. And that's not because I, I can't take a hardline stance. In fact, I do that many times. And you know that if you listen. But it's just, I think a lot of things require more. Things are not always black and white. So uh, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a huge fan of Max for that reason. Uh, I'm not going to just be a fan of him for that reason. But I will say uh, I liked his style otherwise. Um, like when he um, was trying to get the single leg and uh, Austin Hubbard was uh, sort of hopping on one leg. He went for like a high kick and rolled through like he was going to like grab the knee bar or something like that. Like he did this just to get the takedown. I thought that was fucking creative and, and really cool. So I wanted to see more shit like that from him. And uh, we would have if he had been on a full camp. Um, see, I, don't, I, I think the short notice was a big uh, factor in him saying that. Uh, I don't think it was a style matchup. As a matter of fact, it's probably a great matchup for him. Um, I just think, uh, I mean, he certainly has a deficit in the striking. And he just didn't have the cardio to overcome that with his wrestling. So... Thanks for that, Seth. I really appreciate it. And next we got a um, we got a DM from the homie guy shook. And uh, I want to read this uh, because it's important, and I'm going to answer it because it's also important to answer it. And this is another warning for you. It's going to get political. And by, by that, I mean, we're going to talk about human rights, which is to say that that is not getting political. That's just talking about the fucking state of the world right now. And so Guy Shook uh, sent me this DM and he says, In the wake of the Floyd shooting and the unrest that followed, sports entities from the NBA, NFL, MLB have all been thrust into the conversation. But in combat sports, it's radio silence. Why do you think the media let a large entity like the UFC keep its silence? And you know what, guy? I have no idea. And this really pisses me off. And I and I said it as much in my uh, earlier episode when, when Dana White absolutely refused to make a statement. He played dumb when they said, how do you feel about the Black Lives Matter protesting? He was like, oh, I don't get the question. He literally played dumb. We give Dana White a lot of shit, or I do anyway. I say he's a piece of shit, but he's not dumb. He was playing dumb. And a lot of companies have come out and made similar statements. None of them have been as good as Ben and Jerry's, by the way. If you didn't hear Ben and Jerry's, it's the best one. They fucking wrote a whole manifesto about dismantling systemic racism and fucking uh, tearing down the fucking walls of of society, basically. Um, But I'm a millennial. And... If you are not a millennial, if you're older than than that, if you're one generation or two more, uh, you tend to throw shade on us. And you know what? I wear my badge with fucking pride because we care about things and we hit the streets uh, when we are dissatisfied with the state of the world 
and we want our companies that we give our hard-earned money to to have that same stance. I've been I've been eating at Taco Bell since I was like eight years old. I can remember when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, when I finally got my first job and I had some like pocket change. Like literally every day after school, when I got home from the bus. Our bus stop was like a block or two from a Taco Bell, which was another block or two from my house. It was kind of on the way. I fucking got some tacos and burritos every day. And you know what? Taco Bell made headlines from some piece of shit somewhere in Ohio. I think it was Ohio. If it wasn't, I'm sorry. But somewhere, they fired an employee for wearing a Black Lives Matter mask. And fuck them and anyone who supports them right now. And that's how I feel. And that's the kind of shit that is is pissing me off. You have to give a shit about what is going on. You have to wake the fuck up. It is no longer okay to say, oh, I'm not racist, so racism doesn't exist. It fucking does. And police brutality is rampant right now. And if you don't make a statement, you're fucking complicit. And that's how I feel. And it's not outrage culture. It's certainly not fake outrage. That's just how I feel about it. And when you have... and <laughs> We could talk about the NFL for a second. We could talk about the number of peaceful protests that they tried to have where the players were taking a knee during the National Anthem and the NFL suspended those people because they're pieces of shit. Even they made a statement. Now, was it just to save viewership? Sure. But they still did it. See, that's the problem. There's a ton of people right now that are MMA fans that are saying, do you think these businesses actually give a shit? They just care about your money. I have not seen that comment made by anyone who uh, supports the Black Lives Matter movement. And if you have, show me. And, and we can have a conversation about that. But I'm tired of hearing stick to sports. That's no longer good enough. Especially when our commander-in-chief was a fucking reality TV show star. Stick to sports. He was involved in sport. He was a, a co-owner of Affliction. I guess that's it for me on this. Uh, you know, I already said a, a ton on this in my last uh, two episodes ago. Uh, like I said, we're going to keep talking about it. And we got to just support the black community right now. I mean, and not just right now. we got to keep doing it. I was listening to the TKO podcast. And when they were talking about Randy Orton's stance on... On, on on what it's what's happening in police brutality and Black Lives Matter. It, it broke my heart. So go give, go give those ladies a listen. They're great. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. You can cancel me if you want. Still going to keep on my bullshit. Let's uh, shift uh, the conversation now to something a little more positive. Uh, the homie Phil, the MMA dude, co-host of the Split Decision podcast. Very good podcast. Uh, 
sent me a, a, a question. It says, who would you like to see Roxy fight next? And uh, I got to say, I think the time is right for Jessica I. I think I think that's the time, uh, you know. They've been sort of in the same divisions for a while. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jessica I was already signed to the UFC as a bantamweight when Roxy made her UFC debut debut as a bantamweight. She fought Raquel, another fighter finale. Um, you know, obviously before that, she was a flyweight. Roxy was invict in Invicta, and they came back. Now they're both in flyweight. It needs to happen. It's one of those. It's one of those things that just needs to happen. They're both uh, been around for a long time, and I, th I think uh, I think it's time. I also wouldn't hate a uh, Andrea Lee rematch. Um, Roxy has a win over her. Uh, Andrea just lost to Lauren. Roxy just lost to Lauren. That kind of makes sense in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I think I think those two uh, names is what I would like to see. Uh, thanks, Phil, for your question. And that concludes those type of questions. So let's move on to the Twitter forum. First question is from a man, Joe Bloggs, at JoeBloggs74 from over the sea. He says, do you think cornermen need to be more responsible and call it after seeing a few fighters lately either get beat up badly or take short notice fights to help out the UFC? Yeah, dude, that's the thing. And that's a great point. Your coach should know you're at a disadvantage when you when you come in on short notice. And again, Robert Drysdale doubled down on his statement when Ariel reached out for for a statement. He doubled down on his actions, saying, "You know, uh, I would want the same thing. You know, I believe in him. I think he could be a champion, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Okay, but you're not looking out for his well-being. He wanted out. Plain and simple. Plain and fucking simple. Go back and replay, I believe it was UFC 188, Trevor Whitman in the corner of Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt steps on the stool. He says, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Trevor said, okay, that's it, Big John. We're fucking done. And that's how that conversation should have gone. Fighter says, call it. Like I said, one or two. Are you sure? Well, there's this, there's that. I'm okay with, but if he still says I'm done, I can't, that's fucking it. it that was despicable. And Roshkoff sure as fuck wasn't getting paid enough for that short notice debut. Probably got 10 and 10 or whatever the minimum is now, if it's 12 and 12. And, and I shouldn't say and, because obviously he didn't get the win money. He just got the show. And he has to give 50% to his cornermen who weren't giving a shit about him. So he made 6K for that fight, or 5K. Terrible. Another question from Joe. He says, are you sick of silly old fighters thinking they can still fight the best even when they are well past it, like Tyson and Chuck, for example? Obviously they'd better me, but I mean other pros. <laughs> Yeah, man. Here's the thing. And that's the first time I've said this episode, so I can still say it. When fighters that had a bad exit from the sport, and both Chuck Liddell's and Mike Tyson's case, I believe it was three knockouts, 
Might have been four for Chuck, or might have been two or three for, for Tyson. I'm not sure. Either way, there was a string of stoppage losses that ended their careers. It's sad as fuck when they try and come back. And it's an addiction. And it needs to be treated as such. If you have someone who went sober for 10 years, and I'm just throwing out that as a number. I mean, I think Chuck last fought in, well, I mean, before he fucking came back against Tito. I think it was 2012. Might have been 2010. But he came back against Tito. And it was treated as like, you know, God, good for our Oscar De La Hoya giving these guys a job. Man, he was a fucking enabler. That was someone who had been off the wagon and they think they can still do it and you gave them a platform. It's terrible. And Mike Tyson is is great. He's hilarious. He has a, is a great podcast and he's really funny in movies. And he was a fucking murderer in the ring. I mean, like, hypothetically or metaphorically, whatever. But then he fucking had a bad exit. Like I said, a string of KOs. But I saw that video of him hitting pads with Rafael Cordero. And the speed was there. The timing was there. It was great. But does that mean I want to see a 53-year-old man go in, go in there with a fucking... Even if it's another old boxer? That shit is sad, bro. It really is. They need to have. They need to be surrounding themselves with people who aren't enabling them. They tried to do it for Chuck. John Hackleman, his longtime coach, said, "I want no part in this. I don't want you to be fighting." And Chuck said, "Well, I'm going to do it anyway." Fucking terrible. Um. Next question is from this is the Wei Lee at Jonathan Torres with the O's or Zeros and ES35. Should be pretty easy to figure out. Uh, he says, Who you got for next weekend, Maine? I, I give my picks in the next segment, but uh, let's just say I'm conflicted. At the time I'm answering your question, uh, I don't yet know the answer. I'm really, I'm going to talk myself through it, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's it's a pretty close fight for me. And uh, there's people that hate Dan Hooker that are like, oh, this is not a close fight. Poor he's going to walk right through him. And um, I don't know about that, man. And I would say we'll see. You know, next week I could be talking about a second round stoppage win for Poirier. And, uh, you know, Dan Hooker said some really shitty things about uh, Max Roshkoff saying he was made of marshmallows, even tagging Sean Shelby. Sean Shelby is a piece of shit. Sean Shelby was mentored by Joe Silva. You hear all those Me Too stories about Joe Silva? And I don't mean the literal Me Too movement. I mean people talking about their terrible experiences with him and the uh, his terrible uh, treatment of fighters, how he told Eddie Alvarez he was boring as fuck. Uh, Gerald Harris talking about uh, Joe Silva gave him fucking terrible matchup so that he would get knocked out and as soon as he did he cut him and uh that did terrible damage to his psyche in his career joe Silva's a piece of shit and sean shelby's a piece of shit and by proxy dan hooker's a piece of shit but i love dan hooker for other things 
He's great friends with Izzy, and that's important to me. God, a fucking minute of that makes me so conflicted. Honestly, I'm just going to have to talk myself through it. I know you probably uh, wanted to hear me talk about it now as a teaser, um, but I, I really don't know yet. Uh, next question is from my man, fuck Yugi, <laughs> at F-U-U-C-K-Y-U-G-I from the I Poke MMA podcast. Shouts to Yugi. Uh, always been a good supporter of mine. I love his shit. Uh, and he says, please list your top five rankings for featherweights and who gets a shot after max. Ah, this is so hard. Like featherweight and lightweight to me, uh, and to an extent, 170, not so much though. You honestly could do any meeny miny mo on the top 15. You could, you could write their names down and, 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 put them in a hat and then mix them up and then just draw them one by one. And there's your fucking rankings. They're so close. And yeah, as, as they, as the matchups go, go on, you know, sometimes that that's not exactly the truth, you know, whatever, but I really believe like on any given day, you know, 15 through, through number one could be champion, but I'll say for me, uh, number one contender, if we're talking outside the champs, right. Um, like out after, Oh, I just noticed he said, who gets a shot after Max? Oh, because Max is getting the title shot. I thought he was, like, assuming Max was going to win in the rematch. Um, maybe he is. Maybe I'm really into it. I don't know. Um, but it says, list your top of rankings for featherweights and who gets a shot after Max. Uh, number one is got to be Zombie right now. Um, and uh, that's pretty much how it is. Uh, Zabit probably is number two. And uh, you guys probably know I'm a Zabit hater. Um, so I saw him uh, in the mall and Freehold after he pulled out of his fight with uh, Calvin Cater, only to be rebooked three weeks later. That is fucking shady. Uh, Ali is, man- is his manager. That's fucking shady. But I can't deny his skills uh, to a certain extent. So um, we got Zabit at number two. Oh, my Zombie would fucking body Zabit. You don't even know. Um I mean, given the fact that Yair went the distance with Zombie and then knocked him out in the last second, I kind of feel like I have to put Yair in that conversation. Um, Josh Emmett absolutely is in that conversation. Um, And then I I would say below him would probably be uh, Cater. Yeah, for me personally, in my personal rankings. Uh, so yeah, after, after after Max, I think it's got to be Zombie. Um, we almost had that. If Max wasn't ready, we would have gotten Volk versus Zombie. They, there was some beef there. We're talking about it. Um, Zombie went on aerial with his translator. Uh, he had some great lines. It was awesome. And yeah. Next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew ninety four. Because if Stipe and DC both retire after their fight, who do you pick for the vacant title fight? Ngannou is an obvious one, but who else? Bones, Blades, much love. Much love to you, Harry Andrew. Um, I actually think I laid this out in my um, prediction for the future. Um, I think Derek Lewis is going to put Olenek in a body bag. And then after that... He's going to knock and got the fuck out. Derek Lewis, champion 2020. <laughs> uh, 
All right, Joe Buck says English football or American football. Y'all know it's American football. English football is called soccer. And if you didn't know, we call it soccer because of because of you all over the sea there. Once I found that article, it was fucking done. I was like, y'all need to stop on your fucking dying on the hill that soccer is called football. You don't understand our football. You call it hand egg, which is the worst fucking name in the world. Not even apropos. And you think that they don't use their feet enough. Clearly, you haven't seen a full game. They use their feet all the time. It's fucking football. And that's it, dude. Hug it. Chug it. Football. Um, Joe Bloggs also asks, who would win in a wrestling match between Blades and DC? Obviously, DC. I mean, if we're talking about, uh, you know... A guy who wrestled Kel Sanderson multiple times. A guy who fucking uh, was a qualifier for the Olympics multiple times. Um, who flipped Josh Bardan on his head. Who's like a fucking catch wrestling genius. And you got Blades who just like tackles people. DC would fucking embarrass him. <laughs> like it's not even funny. And he's got better striking. He's got better jujitsu. DC would make Curse Blades look like a fucking two year old. And I say that with respect. But I would still love to see it. I mean, Curtis is big and strong. So there's that. Uh, and uh, Curtis might not... Like, he might be able to stop the first shot. But DC's so good at chain wrestling. And DC's like... If you look at the stats, the takedown uh, percentage of... Or average or whatever they call it, of, of him actually landing the takedowns. is not that high because he makes so many attempts. He's like, oh, you might beat me on step one, but you're not going to beat me on steps two and three. You know, once I run the pike, you know, not that I know fuck all about wrestling, but I've heard him talk about that. And whenever I hear DC say run the pike, I'm like, he knows something I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, Darren Carson says, what's uh, Darren Carson is at Bobby underscore Dazzler 68. Happy belated birthday to you. I already, I already wish you a happy birthday, but ha- shouts to Darren and happy Father's Day to him. Um, he says, what's tighter, the mixed demand Aaronish Jackson bromance or Jim Miller armbar? It's got to be the fucking bromance. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, Jim Miller, Jim Miller armbar is pretty tight as well, but the bromance is even tighter. I mean, let's be real. There's no, there's no uh, competition there. You know what I mean? So uh, love that question. Uh, next question is from Microdose Los at dark underscore gone. Um, says, what's next for Clay Guida? This is a hard question to answer because, honestly, Clay Guida's been fighting for a long-ass time. And he's someone to me that hasn't necessarily shown signs of, like, slowing down necessarily. He still has great cardio, can keep a pace for fucking, like, days. I think Dominic Cruz on the broadcast said, like, Clay Guida can fight like this for literally all day. And I'm like, I believe it. But also, like, there's a skill gap. Like the sport of mixed martial arts has has improved. People have developed more skills. You know, it's just moving in a different direction. And Clay Good is the same fighter he was in 2006. So it's like, yeah. So I, I guess what's next for him is either retirement, if I'm honest, or let him be a stepping, like let him fight someone like Ryan Hall so Ryan Hall can fucking rip his knee out and uh, make a name for himself. So, oh, that sounded really bad. I like, I actually like Quig Weed. <laughs> I just, um, you know, he's at that point. Like I said, it's the fight game. They've the the old lions get pushed out by the new lions, and that is how it fucking is. 
especially with fighters, you have to force them out, which is sad. You know, you'd think like Clay Guida would get a nice win. Like when he stopped, I think it was Joe Lozon, and he and he like shouted for the crowd. He was like, I want to hear you tell Dana White I need a new contract or something like that. He had like, he got the crowd involved. And I honestly like, it warmed my heart. I was really pumped up. But then now looking back on it, that was the fucking moment. Don't tell me you need a new contract. I mean, fuck, maybe he doesn't have enough money to retire. But that's probably true. That's obviously the conversation I've been trying to have. But when it comes to, to, to where he's going in his career, like it wasn't going to get better than that. Maybe Clay Guida versus Arnold Allen. Book it. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, if I was at 55. Is he back at 55? Or like, I don't even know. Clay Guida went to featherweight for a while. Uh, I think he fought... No, he's been fighting at 55 for a while. I honestly don't like his chances against anyone in the fucking top 15 of, of lightweight. What if they made like Clay Guida versus Anthony Pettis? That would be weird. Or Clay Guida versus Cowboy. Cowboy decides to fucking cut to 55 again, which is so not healthy. I guess I would just like, if he fights, I would like to see him against, uh, like, another, like, legend fight. You know what I mean? And that word gets thrown out, I think, too much. But I'm just saying, like, someone of his caliber that has been around as long as him. Like, the Jim Miller fight that was, I think, his last fight or whatever, that was a perfect fight. It didn't go his way, but that would, that's the kind of fights I want to see him in. Uh, next question is from Eamon at Team Flemo 2. He says, it's weird to me that people hate success. And you know what, dude? You are fucking right. As evidenced by my tweet, if you hate wrestling, there's a fucking whole other sport you can watch where there's no wrestling, and it's called kickboxing. The amount of people that were fucking hating on Curtis Blades, you know what? And 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 someone made a good point. I think it was Teep to the Junk, which is weird to say that the account named Teep to the Junk would make like a good point, but he did. He's this is a very smart guy, and he said it's it's. I'm gonna paraphrase, obviously, probably badly, but he said it, it's 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 not um, crazy for people to be a fan of other combat sports, but prefer more action-oriented tactics that don't stop the action. And I get that. And that frames it in a way that discredits, or not discredits, but that frames it in a way that is critical of a wrestling-heavy game plan while saying, uh, I get it. But at the same time, I think it like that those kind of thoughts and that sort of statement opens the door for the fucking just bleed people that are like, oh, knock him out and all this other fucking bullshit. He did what he had to do to win. And honestly, you should have expected it. So, yeah, I agree, uh, Eamon. It's weird that people hate success. <laughs> um, another question is from STD at underscore STD underscore he says did robert Drysdale drop the ball tonight fuck yeah he did and at this point i've talked about it ad nauseum so it just kind of you know doesn't make sense that i would do it again but uh yeah i think he absolutely dropped the ball 
it's just it's indefensible like how how you could look at the tape and and i and i i hope that there's no one listening to this podcast that is like this but how you could look at the tape of him saying of, of him being roshkov of roshkov saying call it and drives being like no over and over and you could defend robert drysdale couldn't be me could not fucking be me wow and again i like robert robert drysdale he's done some good work uh i believe roxy trains with him or at least at his gym uh, i think he had a hand in getting her a black belt which is very important to, to her and and i that was a very sweet moment I, I got a little choked up uh he's also worked with frank Mir, who was my favorite heavyweight for a long time and it's just like when i saw that last night i was fucking appalled i was like robert drysdale like you fucking i was i was just like what the fuck and the problem with the fucking culture of mma as well is if let's say someone plays this clip to robert let's say someone in the circle plays this clip coming from me some fucking asshole with a podcast it's not going to mean anything he's not going to hear that and go yeah i did something wrong no and in fact the opposite he said oh yeah well people that don't don't they don't train and are just talking about the sport uh for their fucking friends on a podcast they don't know shit i'm in the right and that is a fucking part of the problem uh same same uh account as he also says when are you gonna cross promote with the mma nerd it's happening i'm gonna will into existence i've literally been thinking about this from the first episode of the show talked about it in the first episode of the show don't listen to that because it was a terrible episode, but uh, I've been talking about it. Uh, if you didn't know, her and I share the same birthday, which is coming up. So uh, I think that might happen for our birthdays. Um, that's what I would like to have for it to happen. Whether our schedules can align is uh, another story. But uh, she's welcome anytime, literally anytime. And that concludes the forum. If you are listening and you want to participate, there are uh, multiple ways to participate. You can download the Anchor app and search Fighting With Myself and then click on Message and you can type a voice message. When I say type, I mean record a voice message because it's recording and not typing. You record a voice message and send them in. You can also record it on your own if you have a recording app on your phone and email it to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can even just email the question verbally, like type it out. People have done that. I've read them. You can DM them. I just read two today. People even text me questions. You can text me a question already on the podcast. Just make sure you say, this is for the podcast, so I know you're not just wanting to shoot the shit, because otherwise I will answer it in the text. Um, yeah, man, that's uh, that's uh, that's the end of the forum. And so, without further ado, let's move on. All right, it's going down next weekend, Saturday, July 27th, at the UFC Apex Center. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. I don't know if they're going to call this UFC Vegas 4. I wish they would just fucking call UFC Apex. That's so much cooler. This is like the name of the center. But for fuck's sake, come up with something cooler. There's actually only one fight of the prelims I want to talk about. And that is Luis Pena versus Kama Worthy. So excited for this fight. I'm always excited for Violent Bob Ross. Um, 
he always brings it, and I love his personality. I love his interviews. There's just something about him. I didn't like how he... Uh, something about his last fight, I think he was like apologizing and things like that. I was like, you have nothing to apologize for. You beat the shit out of that guy. You just didn't finish him. Like, so what? But, you know, that that is maybe the one knock on him is that he maybe doesn't have the finishing instinct that some of these other guys have. Okay, he'll get there. Um, but someone who does have the finishing instinct, comma worthy. Man, he knocked the fuck out of that guy in his last fight. Wow. Wow. Made some people a lot of money. It was like a something like six to one underdog. Knocked that guy out. Man, that was that was so fun to watch. And so for that reason, I'm excited. I have a feeling there's gonna be a finish in this fight. I'm riding with Bob Ross. But you never know. Never fucking no. And then moving on, um, the main card. See, this is uh, this is a situation where I hope uh, Bob Ross gets bumped up to the main card, because otherwise, like, well, they could still find a replacement for Sarah McMahon and and keep her on the main card. That would be good. You know, Sarah McMahon's been around a long time, and uh, uh, I like her style. So. I have written down Sarah McMahon versus a warm body. You know, I'm pretty much if, if they can salvage this fight, I'm so I'm, I'm taking Sarah McMahon just because she had I won't say a full camp because not many people are actually having what they consider to be a full camp under normal circumstances, but they definitely had, she definitely had more of a camp than whoever she's going to fight. Um, unless, like I said, it ends up being Rocky or uh, Marion from last week or from yesterday. And, um, and, uh, and even still they're, they're not as fresh. So, so there's that. So I got Sarah McMahon against whoever I will say if, uh, if she was fighting Aspen land, I would have picked Aspen land. Um, I will say that. So I'm really bummed that Aspen doesn't get to fight, but, uh, got definitely got Sarah McMahon in this. And I, I like this next fight. I have a feeling this is going to be, uh, one fight that MMA Twitter is going to bitch and moan about. Uh, because I just found out recently that they hate John Vellante for some reason. Don't know why. John Vellante is hilarious and he always tries to knock people out or get knocked out himself. Uh, the guy's like the light heavyweight Todd Duffy. Even though Todd Duffy sometimes is annoying as fuck. I get it. But John Vellante is hilarious. And um, he's finally moved up to heavyweight. heavyweight. He was supposed to take on Ben Rothwell. We know that fell through. Um, but uh, he's taking on Maurice Green, the crochet boss. And out of respect for the homie mixed demand. Rep in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Maurice's, that is. I'm riding with the crochet boss, Maurice Green. And uh, I hope he gets it done here. His his length could pose a problem for John Vellante. I will say that. And uh, his uh, jiu-jitsu is probably better than John's as well. So, um, got to say, big up to Maurice Green. And the next fight is Ian Heinis versus Brendan Allen. And if you didn't know... It doesn't matter who Brendan Allen is fighting. I'm going to pick against him. And it almost the opposite is also true. If it doesn't matter who Ian Heinish is fighting, I'm going to pick Ian Heinish because of his fucking crazy backstory and just how amazing it is that he overcame all that. If you don't know that, look it up. Um, look up Ian Heinish Players Tribune and you'll find his uh, crazy report uh, where he was in... Uh, uh, 
like an international prison and he was in Rikers. Crazy shit. And so I always pick Ian Heinish and I always pick against Brendan Allen. So this is the perfect storm. Fuck Brendan Allen. And if you don't know why, it's because he white knighted Macy Barber on one of my posts one time. And I don't stand for that shit. I don't stand for anyone white knighting Macy Barber. <laughs> for real. And uh, let's say even if God forbid something happened to Ian Heinish and they throw in a late notice replacement. I'm picking whoever that is. So you can be rest assured the story here is that I'm picking against Brandon Allen. But also, more importantly, I'm picking Ian Heinish because I think he would beat the fuck out of him. Now moving on to Mickey Gall versus Mike Perry. And uh, in the words of uh, Terrence Singleton, FMP. Fuck Mike Perry. Uh, this is this is another like Chris D'Elia moment for me where I was a big fan of Mike Perry for for a while and uh, he, I always knew he was kind of an idiot and uh, the um, his like insistence on saying the n-word uh, really annoyed the fuck out of me but um, for some reason I looked past it I did talk I did talk about it in my uh, my other episode when when he um, when I say other episode I mean this is this is last year, and I was talking about trends and, and things like that, and I uh, was talking about how it's it's a bad trend what Mike Perry is doing, and his fucking shit ass manager Abe Kawa, in that video, said he was changing the game by being able to say that he was a white guy. Who the fuck are you, you fucking piece of shit? Oh yeah, you're the guy that signed Greg Hardy. And is giving him opportunities to fight in the UFC. <sniffs> Fuck first round management. Fuck Mike Perry. Mickey Gall. Jersey baby. I am never obligated to pick Mickey Gall. Sometimes he's a shithead. But um, I hope Mickey Gall strangles the fuck out of Mike Perry. I hope that Joe Schilling Muay Thai uh, works in his favor. And he just fucking lands a nasty elbow and then chokes him out. And now we're moving on to the main event. And I'm looking at my notes and I wrote Dustin Hooker versus Dan Poirier. And I know that's wrong, obviously, but that just tells you how conflicted I am as I mentioned in my answer to, to Jonathan's question. Because just as much as uh, people like to hate Dan Hooker, the man's got skills. And he went five hard rounds with Paul Felder. Yes, I was in the camp that said Paul Felder won, but it was a very close fight. It was three rounds to two, and there was a swing round. I gave mine to Paul. Obviously, two of the judges gave it to Dan Hooker. And there are some people that got blocked by Dan Hooker for saying some dumb shit. And maybe not all of it was dumb shit. Uh, Dustin, I almost said Dustin Hooker again. Dan Hooker got a little bit in his feelings and blocked you, and that's fine. Uh, I'm a Megan Anderson fan, and she blocked my podcast account. Didn't block the personal account because, you know, I'm nice on there. But she blocked me, so... Still a fan. I mean... Speaking of blocking fans, Dustin Poirier, and this is what this is also what makes me conflicted, Dustin Poirier blocked the homie list. First of all, one of the funniest accounts on MMA Twitter, low-key, doesn't get enough praise. So funny. And uh, her tweets about her... Um, Dates with that guy. So cute. I mean, what the fuck? And Dustin Poirier blocked her because she had her name as Twink Dustin Poirier for a while. Which is, 
if you don't know what that means, look it up. Look what, what a twink is. But it, she wasn't saying that he was actually that. She's referencing his, like... Because the twink is like a skinny gay guy, but it's, it's more than that. It's not just that. And so she was referencing uh, <laughs> Dustin Poirier as a featherweight. Who was really, he was real skinny. And so she calls up twink Dustin Poirier. I thought it was really funny. And he blocked her. He fucking searched his name and found that and blocked her. That's some fucking homophobic petty shit that I just don't know I want to support. Then on the other hand, we got Dan Hooker, who, like I said, big friend of Izzy. He was with him at that rally where Izzy made that speech that made me just stand even harder. Um, Dan Hooker also has really great call-outs and um, is uh, really funny. And I love people from New Zealand. But man, him saying uh, Max Roshkoff was made out of marshmallows was some fucking pussy shit. I mean, just absolutely disrespectful for no reason. Especially to tag Sean Shelby. Fuck you, you fucking UFC bootlicker. So you know what? I gotta go with Dustin Poirier. But I want to say that it's not just about the skills. Because if I'm honest, it's a really close fight. And I could see Dan winning. Like, people forget, and listen, I'm a Dustin fan, and if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know, I picked him against Khabib, very controversial, people call me a clown for that, uh, to this day, and I don't give a fuck, dude, that's how I roll, I pick up my heart, and I don't care what you think, I don't care about your fucking stats, give a fuck, Dustin Poirier doesn't always show up in the big moments, that's a fact of his career. So yeah, uh, I think uh, I think this will be close. I'm still I'm still picking Dustin, but uh, City Kickboxing knows some shit we don't know about striking, and uh, Dustin Poirier doesn't necessarily have the wrestling to take this to the ground. So uh, I could definitely see Dan Hooker taking this one, but uh, I'm really uh, I'm really salty about that fucking tagging Sean Shelby in his tweet about Max Rushkoff. Really fucking low class. So let's go Dustin Dustin Poirier, baby. Yeah. And that, my friends, is a conclusion of this podcast. What a ride this has been. From predicting Derek Lewis to be champion. To fucking burying Robert Drysdale. Talking about Black Lives Matter. Ran the gamut on this podcast. That's what I do. Much love to everyone that uh, made it this far. I'm sure people turned off early. And I uh, don't fault you for that. I mean, I do, but I, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Even though I just did. Wink, wink. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. And that's about it. Good night and good fights.